Hey, we're in week two of a great series called Chip. If you weren't here last Sunday, uh, you want to go online or stop by our resource center, make sure that you get a copy of last Sunday's service. I guarantee you it will absolutely bless your socks off. This morning, I want to talk to you on the subject in this, in this series, Chip. I want to talk to you about dog tags. The significance. When you enlist, I... Um, I've never put on a pair of dog tags. But there are many of you here in the room who have. In fact, if you're here today and you at, at some point in your life, you've had your country hand you a set of dog tags like this, I want you to stand. I wanna tell you thank you Thank you for your service. You may be seated. These, uh, these aren't my dog tags. Uh, Pastor Mike was kind enough to, uh, to let me use his. And I, I've, never, I've never put a set of these around my neck. My, my older brothers did. I had two brothers that served in Vietnam. Uh, my father did. My father served in World War II. And my grandfather, strangely enough, served in the Korean War. Don't ask me how. My father served in World War II and my Grandfather served in the Korean War, but that is, that is the truth, how it went down. But, but when they did, and each one of these individuals, each one of these men and women who stood, and uh, I, um, I, I mentioned to Pastor Mike when I was talking about using his dog tags, I said, I need to make sure that I say each one of these men and women, because if I make a mistake and just say men, I know that Angelica Addy will come up and just kick me right in the head in the middle of the service. But here's the... Here's the oath that each one said, I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to the regulations of the Uniform Court of Military Justice. So help me, God. God, you did, not, you did not leave us out. In fact, for each person here, you say, I chose you. And you chose us to be soldiers in your army. The song that we sang in our childhood years at Children's Church and Vacation Bible School, God, that that song is true. We are in the Lord's army. And God, this morning, as we, as we don't put on physical dog tags, but we, we take up our spiritual dog tags, God, let, let all that that means, let it, let it resonate with us. God, we thank you for the wonder of your truth, and we we commit our service in your army to you. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. The Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2, starting the first verse. He says, as for you, as for you, and it's a, it's a statement that really applies to all of us, that as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world 
and the ways of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in all who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. We gratified the, the, the cravings of our flesh. We followed its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But God, because of his great love for us and his rich mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that we have been saved. And God raised us up. He raised us up with Christ. He seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved. It's by grace that we have been saved. And this is not of ourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship or God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. What the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 2 is true of all of us. As for us, as for me, as for you, we either are dead in our transgression and sins. If you're here this morning and you have yet to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord and pledge allegiance to him, then you are in a condition that is a sinful condition. And the result of a sinful condition is an eternity separated from God. It's really, it's, it's being spiritually dead. And, and in, this, in, that, in that moment when the, your earthly body ceases to exist, that your soul will go and experience all that it deserves. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. I, by nature, am deserving of wrath. You, by nature, are deserving of wrath. But God, who is rich in mercy... But God, who is rich in mercy, he offers us this opportunity to step from spiritual death and to step into spiritual life. And life works when we say yes to Jesus and we step into this life that he has for us. Life does not work. In fact, there are some of you that are here this morning, there are some that are, that are watching uh, uh, via media today that you know this. You know that there's this, this draw in your heart. There's this, this appetite for more. There's this life that you're feeling called to. Because all these things that you, that, that you have done or are trying to do to bring life into your existence seemingly fall short. And what God offers us today is he offers us life in him. Life in him. See, without Christ, we are without life. That's what it says in Ephesians 2.1. That as for you, you were dead in your transgression and sins. And not only are we without, with, without life, we're without purpose. 
Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And it's God's desire, it's God's plan for you that you walk first in allegiance with him, that you be a soldier in his army, and that you live the life that he intends for you. See, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, not that he needs you to do something. See, Lauren, when, when God speaks, it happens. In fact, all of creation, when you step outside at the end of the service today, you see the birds, God spoke and they were. You see all these different flowers, all the beauty that we have in Central Florida, all of that. God spoken it was, God spoken it was, God spoken it was, God spoken it was. Except for with man. God did not speak man into existence. He fashioned this physical body that we have out of the dust of the earth and then he breathed life into man. And he breathed life into man because we have an eternal destiny. We have an e eternal soul. But whether or not we choose to walk in that purpose is really, it's a choice that God has given us. And until we say yes to Jesus, we are living without real life and we're living without real purpose. And we're also, we're living outside of the identity that God has for us. He sings dog tags. It's, 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 it's fascinating the journey that they have had. They're working on, and they've, they've used these in, in limited areas. Uh, they're still involved in research and development, but they are changing for the first time since, since early World War I. They're changing the look of dog tags. They actually, dog tags first came about in, uh, in, in, in America and they first came about in the Civil War. And what happened was this, is young men were going and they were, they were sacrificing their lives for what they believed in. But many of them who were severely injured or even losing their life on the battlefield, there was no means by which to identify them. And so they would, they would write, they would carve their name on things. They would write their name on things. They would, they, they would write it on paper and they would pin it into the inside of their coat. And then a company got a, an interesting idea. They made these circular rings and, and for just a, a small amount of money, a soldier could have his name and his, the, the city was where he was from printed on this little brass, this little brass circle, and then they would wear them with a leather strap around their neck. And that, that, was, the, that was the beginning of this idea of dog tags, that, that the, the soldiers knew this, I've got to have something that identifies me. And we went from that to the dog tags that we're familiar with that are so commonplace today. And now, they're taking them a step further. What they're doing is they're implanting a microchip in them, which allows when a soldier is fallen, it allows them to find the soldier quickly because it's, it's got an RFID uh, chip in it. They can, they can put all of the soldier's uh, metal history on that to where if somebody's in the field, they know exactly uh, how to specifically treat them. It's a, it's a significant thing in its, in its origin. 
And it, it gains greater significance with each passing day. The, the identifying marks of, of being a soldier is significant. The identifying marks of being a, a soldier of the light, a soldier in God's armed forces, carries this same weight. Because without Christ, we are without life. We're without purpose. We're without identity. And more than that, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 that Without Christ, we're without hope. We're without hope. Hope is a fascinating thing to me. Hope. Jesus says, I, I give you hope. Paul makes this de declaration that in his great mercy, God has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an in inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. The writer of Hebrews, one of my favorite of all scriptures, says this. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. And there come these times, there come these moments in everyone's journey when the winds of conflict blow. When the storms of difficulty arise. And we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. If you're here today and, and you're in the midst of difficulty, you're, you're dealing with a, a situation on your job that you never imagined that you'd be in that tight spot. You, you've discovered this week that the person that you love and you've pledged your life to doesn't love you back. You're, you're navigating a, a sickness for, for which there just doesn't seem to be an answer. You're heartbroken because a, a child that you raised in the church has drifted very far from the principles and the promises of God. The winds might look different in your life than they do in mine, but the rain still falls. And in those moments to have To have hope, to be confident in our identity, to be driven by our purpose, to know that we have the promise of life. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2 as, as we continue to go on. It says this, therefore remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world I cannot imagine living in that condition without hope and without God in the world isn't it good that the writer continues that Paul writes on He says this, he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who, are, who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace. A few verses later, it says this, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, 
but fellow citizens with God's people. And I may never march with the infantry, ride with the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I I may never zoom over the uh, enemy. But I want to make a declaration this morning. I'm, I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. And, and I, understand the, I understand the oath that that requires. And I also understand the benefits that that derives. Uh, I want to tell you why I want to tell you why I give. And I, I, we're not going to receive another offering. I'm not, I'm not trying to get in your pocket. But I want, I want to tell you why I give. And, uh, you know, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of ministries or a lot of organizations that will tell you that, you know, if you, if you give to their organization uh, and, and you follow their certain game plan uh, that you're going to get. That's not why I give. And, and, and I want to I illustrate that for you in a parallel. When I was, when I was first starting out in ministry, there was the opportunity uh, for, for pastors, for ministers to exempt themselves from Social Security. And uh, you know that when you get your check that there's this line on there called FICA, right? You're like, who is this guy FICA and why is he taking all my money? And it's it's a little under 8% that's taken out of your check. And a portion of that goes to Social Security and a, a, a portion of that goes to uh, Medicare. If you're, if you're self-employed, you have to pay that whole almost 16%, right? So uh, somebody, there's, some of you that own your own business, right? You can relate to that. And you, get, you send in those quarterly taxes and you're like, wow, this is a big chunk. Well, when I was first starting out in ministry, um, I had the opportunity uh, to sign off Social Security. I just had to fill out a little form that said this, that said, um, on religious grounds, I am, I, am, I am religiously opposed. It's not that hard of a leap, right? That I'm religiously opposed to um, government assistance. Uh, and I could sign off of Social Security and I wouldn't have to pay this close to 16%. I've, I've, been, I've been in full-time ministry for uh, a little over 30 years. So 30 years of paying into Social Security. It, a, a lot of my friends uh, got that form and signed off because they're like, well, I'm not giving them, if I don't have to give the government that money, I'm not giving that money. And, and no doubt there are many of you in the room that, that you would have that same opinion. One of the big things that my, that my colleagues talked about is they said this. They said, the system's broke. It, it doesn't work. And so by the time... By the time we're ready to retire, there ain't gonna be any money there. I'm not here to discuss politics with you this morning. But I want you to know this, that when that statement was made to me, I said, I absolutely have to pay. I have to pay. And at the time that I retire, at the time that I become eligible for benefits, if there's no money there, I still have to pay. And here's the reason why. My parents were not married when I was born. My 
father met my mother as a young woman in a bar. My father had four children. His wife was pregnant with her fifth. My mother had had a child that she gave up for adoption. And at 17 years of age, my mom's sitting in the bar and this 30-year-old man comes in. They get together and he leaves his wife and uh, they move in together. And, and they, subsequently, they have eight children together. I'm the seventh out of eight. My father had four before me. His, his, his wife died, uh, or his wife, the, the, his fifth child died in childbirth. Um, and, and the one that my mother had, 13. So I'm the 12th of 13 children. And uh, in 1973, we moved to Florida. My father had already moved down here from Illinois. And my father was diagnosed with lung cancer. And he, he, he very rapidly declined in health. And so about two weeks, a little less than two weeks before my father died, my parents got married. And they got married because they, 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 my, they had done the research and they knew this, that um, if, if my parents didn't get married, um, we, were, we, were, we, were, we were sunk. But at least if they got married and my father died, we would get a check, a survivor benefit from Social Security and from veterans. For us, for, uh, for us as a family, we would not have survived, we would have been homeless. Uh, my mother would have had to farm her children out to different people, different family members. Were it not for that check every month coming from Social Security and that check every month coming from Veterans Administration. It, I didn't serve, but I benefited from my father's service. I didn't, I didn't face the challenge of, of enemy gunfire as my, as my father did. But I enjoy the benefits of, of his being there and serving his country. And, and for me, because, because those because those benefits were there for me, I still today, if, if, if Social Security were to go away tomorrow, I, man, I'd pay until it goes away because there's somebody that's in the system now that's in the same spot that I was as an eight-year-old boy. I have that same attitude when it comes to, to returning the tithe. I, I, I pay my tithe faithfully every week. And beyond that, I give. I, I, I give in missions giving. We do not receive an offering here at Calvary that I don't participate in. And I don't give to get. I, I give because I, I recognize all that I've been given. And all that, all that citizenship offers. And, and what citizenship in God's kingdom, what it gives to me, oh, this... This, this unexplainable yet undeniable peace. The fact that I have identity. The fact that I have community. 
fact, here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners or aliens, but you're citizens. Citizens. I'm curious to know, how many of you here this morning, if you just raise your hand, how many of you, you were not born a citizen of the United States and you've gone through the citizenship process? Raise your hand. Okay? Good number of you around the room. So, uh, uh, Pastor Jeff, what year did you become a citizen of the United States? 1984. So, uh, you and your family, you, uh, you left Iran in the midst of all of the conflict that was happening there in Iran, and you came to America and you became a citizen. There are significant benefits to being a citizen. Here's, 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 here's the top six. Number one is this. As a citizen, um, you can't be deported. See, when, when, when Pastor Jeff, when he was just a... a a, a, a legal resident of the United States, even a, even a legal permanent resident, he could still be deported for any number of things. The, the second benefit is this, is you have the ability to, to, to have your family come and join you, family reunification. The third is this, if you're, a, if you're a citizen of the United States and you're traveling abroad and you've got problems, you call that U.S. Embassy and they come to your aid. Also, another benefit is the fact that you can, you can freely travel. Here's a biggie. Do you know that individuals who become naturalized citizens that they make substantially more money than those who come to America and live as legal permanent residents. In fact, there's a significant amount of government jobs that you can't even apply for uh, unless you're a citizen of the United States of America. This, this gift that we have of citizenship in this great country, it's an incredible gift. And friends, you are blessed to live, whether you were born in the United States or you're here as a naturalized citizen, you are blessed to be a member of what I believe is the greatest country in the world. Uh, that, that is worthy of applause. The benefits of citizenship in the United States of America pale in comparison to what it means to be a citizen of God's kingdom. And that's what he makes available to you. Just as the military share an oath, Eddie, when you became a citizen, you had to declare an oath. When I became a citizen of God's kingdom, I had to declare an oath. For me, that oath happened in a hospital room. For many, that oath happens 
at the front of a church. And it goes something like this. Dear God, I come to you today and I acknowledge that my life does not work without you. In fact, without you, my life really is death. But God, I acknowledge the truth that your love is the key. And I recognize that you demonstrated that love in dying on the cross for my sins. And so I accept the gift that you gave on the cross. And I pledge my allegiance to the family of God and to the kingdom of God. And I become a citizen of your kingdom. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, do not live your life as as strangers or aliens. But live your life as a citizen, as a, as a member of God's household, as a member of God's family. Because in that, it brings life to you, it brings identity to you, it brings purpose to you, it brings hope to you. And for some of you today, this is, this is a decision that maybe you've hung around God's people a lot. Maybe you're a, maybe you're a legal permanent resident. You know all the songs. You've, you've been in all the activity. But you've never said the oath. And today, God's offering you the opportunity to join his army, more than join his army to be a part of his family. For others, you're, you're here this morning and, and at one time you were acti- actively engaged, but life has taken you very far from that declaration that you made years ago in Sunday school. That decision that you made, what seems like a lifetime ago, in children's church. When you read the, when you read the oath that the military gives, it, it's, it's interesting, it, it's stated this way, anywhere you find it, it says, I, and then state the name of the, of the enlistee, do solemnly swear or affirm. And for some of us today, we need to, we need to make this declaration of an oath to God. For some of us today, we need to, we need to affirm. because the challenges of life and, the, and just the activity of life have, have taken us very far uh, from what it means to be a good soldier. 
And God's brought you here this morning to remind you of of all that we gain when when we walk in active relationship with him. So if you're here this morning, And for you, you're not living so much as existing. It's time for you to declare an oath to God. It's time for you to enlist. If you're here this morning and you've been you've been struggling with this idea of identity. not sure who I am. I'm not sure what I'm about. It's time to declare an oath to God. If you're here this morning and and just the heaviness of life is just it is wearing you down. And there's a deficit of hope. God brought you here this morning to declare an oath. If you're here this morning and you feel disconnected in any way, God's brought you here to join his army. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.